Hello, and welcome to the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm Andy Viano. This week, I am joined once again by our editor-in-chief, Kellen Brown, and this time we're going to rewind and relive the earliest days of the COVID-19 pandemic to talk about what changes we've seen to the stories we write and the work we do in the last 12 months. Kellen will walk through the fast-developing first few weeks of the pandemic in the Flathead Valley all the way back in March of 2020. We'll talk about how we tailored our coverage as the weeks turned into months and turned into now a full year. And we'll talk about the topic's divisiveness and how that's impacted our readers and the work we do. After that, stick around for a rundown of the biggest stories from the last seven days, which include major news out of Helena on Montana's distribution of the coronavirus vaccine. But before we get to any of that, a very quick reminder that all of the work we do at the Flathead Beacon, including this podcast, is made possible in part by the Beacon Editors Club. Members contribute as little as $5 a month to keep our work going, and they get some great perks, too, including the chance to meet and greet with our staff, something we might actually be able to do again as early as this summer. To join the club or to learn much more, visit BeaconEditorsClub.com today. It is my pleasure once again to be joined in the Beacon Podcast Studio by our Editor-in-Chief, Kellen Brown. Kellen, welcome back, and uh, thanks for taking some more time. Yeah, it's uh, great to be here. It's been a while. Uh, Good to be back up here in the podcast studio with you. Well, you are here today, so we can go back in time. Obviously, uh, folks everywhere around the country have been marking March of 2021 as the one-year anniversary of COVID-19. Uh, really taking hold here in this country. And so we wanted to take the opportunity to go back to March of 2020 and kind of remember what it was like and 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 what happened here. So let's, I guess, just start there. Going back 12 months ago, when do you first uh, recall hearing about COVID-19 and when did it become something that that we as a news organization had to start taking seriously? Yeah, um, it happened really, really fast. So we put, um, we our deadlines are Monday and we come out Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning in print because we, we deliver to such a large region. It takes us about a day to get it to every stand. So the March 11th edition, that Wednesday morning, we barely mentioned in, that, in, the, in the print COVID at all. We have like a tiny little blurb in the data point section, which is kind of a roundup of news through numbers that we do every week. And that's it. And it's about the Dow Jones getting spooked that coronavirus could spread. That hit stands March 10th and 11th. And then um, I'm a big sports fan. As you know, you and I were just complaining earlier about the Chicago Bears and Andy Dalton and quarterbacks and and uh, trying to find one, which we haven't in the history of uh, the team. But so I was that night, I'm, I'm watching the NBA and uh, like I often do during the evening and the games start stopping and, and um, I'm with my girlfriend and she's, she, she's kind of asking what's going on. And I, I, I said, I, I think they're stopping because of COVID. And then you find out that Rudy Gobert for the Utah Jazz has coronavirus and the league is suspended, which was just surreal and kind of made it real for me because I'm such a big sports fan. And then that, I think it was that same night, Tom Hanks 
is over in Australia and he and his wife, they test positive. They're quarantining. And it's kind of like, wow, that, that it was all surreal. The world, the world kind of just stopped that evening. And then I texted you guys and, and, and the staff. And so the next week, completely different. Off the cover on the March 18th edition is a headline that says Montana hunkers down as closures mount. And it's a photograph of empty store shelves and someone shopping for bread. And in just a week, Whitefish Mountain Resort and schools closed. Sports were suspended and the flatted health officer was about to ask commissioners for an emergency declaration. Hospitals and nursing homes implemented visitor restrictions. Um, we published a letter, I remember, from local physicians pleading, pleading with residents to socially distance. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was an emergency, like one I had never seen in my lifetime. And so then fast forward one more week. Remember, this is all within two weeks, the March 11th and 18th and March 25th edition. And our cover story then was life on lockdown. And we focused on school districts preparing for prolonged remote learning. Like the, we, we knew then this was going to be a while. I think everyone did. And then we looked at soaring unemployment. We looked at long bank, uh, food bank lines, closed businesses and public spaces. And we started reporting even then a year ago on what this may do to all our mental health, the socially distancing to our kids that don't get to see their friends at schools. And so it was, it was quite, it was uh, quite the, uh, accelerated, you know, uh, news, how, how newsworthy it was, not even newsworthy. I mean, it was, it was life-changing, right? You went from, Hey, we kind of know this thing that's going on in, uh, in, in Asia and a few other countries to it's in Montana and we're shut down, which is, is scary. And, um, and for me is, you know, I've, I've been the editor in chief of this company for 13, 14 years and I have 18 employees and, Part of my job beyond reporting the news and having them report the news is keeping them safe. And so those discussions were uh, being had right away on what we should do and uh, how, how are we going to continue to do our respective jobs if, if we can't go in the office. And we didn't quite know them, but we, we thought it was coming. Uh, and we had, uh, when school shut down, I have a lot of young parents in the office, daycare shut down. And so it was, it was strange. And at one point, uh, you asked one question, I'm going for 10 minutes here. At one point, I was coming in almost alone. So of those 18 employees, it was basically just me, which was, which was okay. I wanted someone to be at the office, at least to help answer phones and that sort of thing. A lot of times there was two of us here, 10 feet apart or whatever. And then we all learned uh, how to jump on Zoom calls, and uh, we did the reporting that way. Uh, you know, Keeping in touch with, uh, again, the parents. You know, they, they couldn't do anything. Your kids... Your, your kid or bring your kid to work, which happened a couple of times, you know, but uh, so it was, uh, it, it all happened really, really fast. And then you kind of settled in for this, I don't know, eerie 10 months. And then you had elections, you had a lot going on. It was, uh, I like for everyone else, it was quite the year. I, I wonder how, you know, yourself as a, as a journalist and, and as someone who now runs a newsroom, the the way that coronavirus has tinged really everything we've written about for for the last 12 months, right? It's kind of a joke that every story's got at least something in there about, you know, amid the coronavirus pandemic, this thing was happening. How was there a point where 
you realized, okay, that's just, we can't do anything without talking about this. I wonder as time has evolved too, has there been a conscious effort to try to do some stories that aren't just about COVID that, I mean, that, that idea of COVID fatigue, I think is real. Yeah, how, def- how have you definitely. handled it? Yeah. From like a, from a news planning standpoint. Yeah. I, I think after those first, it was, it was a while though. Maybe the first month, I, I, I think it was the first time I looked at a few of the reporters. I, I'm like, folks are, we need to continue to cover what's going on in the schools, the health board, the businesses, unemployment, but we can write about something other than COVID on our front page. And it, it, it is part of, you know, just a mental health break, really. And it's part of what we did redesign on our website. So, you know, we're still covering the news, but I really wanted to bring our Flathead Living brand under the same roof because sometimes the news is just heavy. And sometimes you want to read about food and you want to read about history and lifestyle and that sort of thing. And that's okay. And those are still good stories. So I, I think we consciously early on, um, not, not too early, but we're trying to find a balance, you know, but then you have photos. So you're doing business profiles. And even if we don't mention it in the story, everyone has masks on for the portrait. So there's reminders everywhere. And, and we're, we're slowly, slowly getting past that. I mean, we saw today, Governor Greg Gianforte said April 1st, anyone who wants a COVID-19 vaccine can at least try to schedule an appointment for one. So I, I think as folks are vaccinated, you're going to see it move, move pretty quick. I think most schools will maintain the mask mandate at least through the end of the year. And it's not that far away. And then we'll, uh, with any luck, right? Get back to uh, a normal. I think we're closer than most regions and we're more rural, but um, I know I'm exhausted by COVID coverage. So I can't imagine how exhausted some of our readers are. And, and we're conscious of that. And we are certainly trying to find a balance there. Let me ask you about one more piece of this before I let you go. And that is that I guess something that I did not see coming is how divisive uh, some of the rhetoric around COVID would become. Uh, not just you know the, the the furthest extremists who question you know whether the virus is real or not, but decisions about opening or not opening businesses, opening or not opening schools, forcing masks or not forcing masks. You hear from a lot of our readers. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you you get a, a whole bunch of letters to the editor submitted. I mean, how, how have you, again, as, as the leader of this paper, tried to make sure that we, or, or is it your responsibility to make sure that we are not contributing to the, the divisiveness of the subject? Well, it's, it's with COVID and a few other subjects, it's just impossible, to be perfectly honest. It's, um, there are a few things that no matter wh- how we write, that there's going to be opinions on, on um, uh, what, what people read. and. This is just a, an issue that has lasted so long that it's that it's way harder, and by, and by harder I mean it it way more uh, frequent. So uh, I'll just give you an anecdote. So I went in and um, I, I, I spoke to the Lions Club recently last week or so, and and I go in and a lot of them are are much older, and and I have my mask on, and I just ask them, I'm like, hey, what are you guys comfortable with? I just you know, spacing wise, and almost all of them had been vaccinated. So that was great. And so I just kind of like held back and they were comfortable. I was comfortable. There's plenty of space between us and I could, I could speak to them. And first question was, what is the hardest thing about your job? 
And I always tell folks the hardest thing is like disarming them so they know that I'm an actual human being, just like them live in this valley. This is my job. I've been here since the beginning, since I was 27 years old. And so once that happens, it's a lot easier to talk with anybody. Maybe we made a mistake and need to write a correction. Maybe we need to just talk through of like, like how the sausage is made. Hey, this is why we covered this. This is how. I think it helps the organization that I've been the only editor. So folks who have had issues with um, you know, something we published or that sort of thing, they may have issue again, but it's a lot different conversation because they have already talked to me once. And so with, with COVID-19, I think it has been a lot of these conversations about we never trained or prepared to cover a pandemic, never in my lifetime. And so it doesn't, it's never going to be perfect or right or find the right balance because all of it is subjective and, 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 you know, you're just doing your best. And so once you explain that to people, it's a, it's a much different conversation, but the conversation has been had multiple times. And I, for one, I'm sure I'll have it a few more times, but I'm ready for it to stop. And, and us to go back, I think it's really, it's really going to leave some, you know, some scars on the community. And, and that's, it's, that's unfortunate. I love, I love Montana. I love living in the flathead and, uh, and hopefully we can grow and learn from it, but I'm ready for it to be over. Just like I think everyone else is. For sure. Kellen, thank you for, uh, for sitting down and doing this. We'll bring it back next time for, uh, extended Andy Dalton thoughts, but uh, for now, uh, I will let you go. Thanks, Kellen. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks once again to Kellen for stopping by, and you can read all of our COVID-19 coverage from the last year for free at our freshly redesigned website. That's flatheadbeacon.com. And keep picking up the beacon in print, too, because I don't think we're done covering the pandemic quite yet either. Now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 10 p.m. on Tuesday, March 16th. Governor Greg Gianforte announced on Tuesday that every Montanan age 16 and older will be eligible to receive the COVID-19 vaccine beginning April 1st. At a news conference, Gianforte said he was, quote, moving up the timeline, and already on Tuesday, Flathead County residents were able to get their names on a COVID-19 vaccination list through the health department's website. Anyone 16 and older can visit flatheadhealth.org slash vaccine-request-form and fill out their personal information. Those not in any currently eligible tier can expect to call back sometime after April 1st to schedule an appointment. That call will come likely several weeks beyond that date. Earlier this month, Gianforte created what he called Tier 1B+, opening up the vaccine to Montanans between 60 and 69 years old and causing at least 10,000 new Flathead County residents to request vaccine appointments. Health Officer Joe Russell said the county expects to get through those requests in the next four to five weeks, at which time it's likely people who were first made eligible for the vaccine on Tuesday might begin to be scheduled. As of Tuesday, 9,677 Flathead County residents were fully immunized from COVID-19, and another 16,000 had received at least one dose. Elsewhere, the Blackfeet Nation has begun to enter its, quote, new normal 
one year after leaders declared a reservation-wide state of emergency to combat the pandemic. Phase three of the Blackfeet reopening plan allows indoor dining at 50 to 75% capacity, allows for non-tourism lodging, permits bars to reopen, and eliminates financial penalties for residents who ignore social distancing and masking regulations, many of which still remain in place. The Blackfeet Tribal Business Council had imposed some of the strictest regulations in the state to subdue the spread of COVID-19, and as of March 12th, there were zero active cases and 80% of eligible Blackfeet Nation members on the reservation had already been vaccinated. Blackfeet spokesman James McNeely said restrictions could be rolled back even further if case levels remain low, a signal that could pave the way to reopening the tribe's border with Glacier National Park and allowing public access to the park's east side, something that was not available last year. In other news, the city of Kalispell is advancing a plan to expand the Lawrence Park trail system by nearly 3,000 feet. More than 2,500 feet of trail was built on the park's northern end in 2017, partly in an effort to discourage transients from settling there. And the $25,000 worth of additional trails now proposed come not long after the council took up the subject of drug use and the park's homeless population at a public meeting. If the additional trail is added, the work is expected to take only a couple of weeks to be completed with the assistance of the Montana Conservation Corps. And finally, Jason David Weldeley is a free man. Nearly five months after he was arrested and charged with killing his father in a trailer fire south of Kalispell. Weldelay faced a deliberate homicide charge and the prospect of life in prison in October, but earlier this year, prosecutors agreed to accept a guilty plea to the lesser charge of criminal endangerment and recommend a suspended sentence. Flathead County District Court Judge Amy Eddy initially rejected that plea agreement, but at a hearing Monday, she signaled she would be open to a similar deal, and after the parties agreed to a 10-year suspended sentence, Eddie signed off. Weldelay was released after the Monday hearing. If he does not remain law-abiding or follow the conditions of his release, he could spend the remainder of the 10-year sentence in custody. That's our show for this week. Remember, you can read more about all of these stories and catch the latest breaking news for free on our newly redesigned website, flatheadbeacon.com. Until next week, thanks for listening.